Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 265th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger, and we've got a long-lost friend of the show back tonight, folks. I mean, this might be the biggest news that we break all night. His name is Nathan Ernst, at NathanE11 on Twitter. Man, it has been a minute since we got to see you. How are you doing, my friend? It's been long enough that I think people are suspicious you finally get tired of me and, and <laughs> kick me off the show. I've had... More than a couple people reach out and be like, you still doing the podcast? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I haven't been on in a while, but you're not You know, ready. I think there would be, uh, we don't get a chance to talk, you just you and me that often. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's a running gag about whether you're going to get more annoyed with me or I'm going to get more annoyed with you. I, I'm, I'm not going to be the one that gets too annoyed with you. So I, I think that if you ever were to exit, it will be a clear signal to everybody else that I have... It's been the final straw that I've done something that has just driven you absolutely uh, past the point of no return. Yeah. And I, I don't have, I'm not hawk water, so I don't have firing power. Otherwise, <laughs> you do, though. You have walking away power whenever I'm you walk away power. I don't have firing power. I'm you have walking away power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, man, there's a bunch to catch up on. We, Jeff and I did a, a fun show on Monday. At least Jeff and I thought it was fun, uh, where we went back through the draft and redrafted as if uh, we were the GM and who we would have picked. Totally weird time to do that show, but I've never seen it done before. And it was kind of fun to go back and look at, okay, as honestly and objectively as we could, who would we have picked at those spots? Um, not with what we know now, but like literally if we can put ourselves back in that position. Um, and as you might expect, we we both went a little beefier than the Seahawks went. And and uh, as we head into this kind of first preseason game tomorrow, Nathan, this is like, it's crazy to think a year ago, Geno Smith and Drew Locke were in a fierce quarterback battle heading into this game. So a lot's changed since then. I'm curious, you know, I'm sure you've been keeping up with what's going on in training camp. What what's on your mind when it comes to the Seahawks right now? I mean, I'm hundred uh, percent caught up in the JSN hype. Um, 
I'm yeah, scouring Twitter for every JSN highlight. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's really, I'm one track mind. Um, friendship with DK Metcalf is over. New best friend is, uh, oh. no, that's not true. I, I still love <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, infa- I'm infatuated now with the new receiver. You have like, is that your favorite position in football? Uh, probably. Yeah, I think so. I, it's like when I do draft stuff, it's the one I focus on the most. It's the one I feel that I maybe understand the best for some reason. I'm not, uh, my skill, my actual physical skill set, this will be a shock to some people, but not receiver friendly. Um, but yeah, is that yeah. part of it. it like, it, like is, you just envy the, the maneuverability and the, you know, shiftiness of a receiver. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just love it. It's, I think, you know what I think I like about it is, uh, I mean, and this isn't even really true because zone and everything, but the one-on-one aspect of it is really cool. Um, but yeah, the, the athleticism is awesome. Um, not probably not from a jealousy perspective, but maybe, yeah, I do have an extra appreciation for it. Do you remember, I mean, has this always been, you think your favorite position or did it become your favorite position over time? I th- well, uh, this is gonna, this is gonna be funny, but I probably my my first favorite, and I still love it. I still love watching running backs. Um, <laughs> Everybody, clip that. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, like that's another one where like athleticism and the violence of the position, and you know, uh, yeah, all of it. Like, uh, you know, my uh, thoughts on running backs are well known, but like spiritually, like that is like football personified right is the running back position i think i think people still misunderstand i i understand i think your perspective is actually not surprising for me to hear you say that i think you separate out what you love to watch as a fan i've heard you rave about kenneth walker and him do special things versus what you think is the wise way to build a, a roster and where you spend resources and so I, I get where you're coming from there but i i i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna keep pressing because i'm kind of curious about this one but do you remember who your first favorite receiver was or like your first receiver crush, uh, sports crush was? Hmm. For receiver, it was probably Doug was the first one that I really Yeah. Liked. Now, I haven't been Good like one. a football fan forever, ever. Like 2002-ish was when I really got into sports. So, and okay. yeah, Doug was probably the first receiver I really, really loved. I mean, Bobby was always fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar idea there. Like, Doug is Bobby maxed out. So, well, yeah, that's actually that's an interesting little pattern in that your JSN yeah, yeah. Uh, infatuation <laughs> makes even more sense now, right? I mean, this is it realistic without having seen him step on a NFL field? Is it realistic to think that he could be the best of those three players? Is it, is it your expectation that he's going to be the best of those three players, let alone all-time great? I mean, I have crazy high – I have a crazy high opinion of Doug. Uh, I, I think he's far and away the most overrated receiver of – Underrated. Or, sorry, yes, underrated. Yes, yes, of the last 20 years. Like, I think he's – I think you can put him up there with just about, you know, like, he's not on, like, a Larry Fitzgerald-type level or a Randy Moss level, but, like – that next tier of guys, like, I think he's, he's there. And uh, so, no, I don't think he'll be better than, than Doug. I think Doug could have done amazing things if he had gotten away from the, the evil 
grasps of Pete Carroll and his run first mentality. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. I, I, I have unrealistic expectations. Like I, I think here's the thing. I think a lot of people have very high ceiling points of view of what JSN can be. I think maybe I have an unrealistic floor for JSN. I feel like he is going to be a pro bowl receiver. Like I will be very surprised if he is not a pro bowl receiver in his time. I will be surprised if he does not have a 90 plus catch season in his career. Um, I, I think the, the, the biggest question for me with him is I don't think it's going to be the offense. I don't think it's going to be the quarterback. I think it's going to be um, durability. I mean, that, that is it. I think that is the biggest question I have for both of our first round picks. I think if both of them are on the field, the floor for both of those players, I think is quite high. I think, uh, I don't want people to get like freak out or anything. I think Witherspoon has some bus potential. Uh-huh. Um, I, like he, he could be uh, a magnet for flags and he might, be a little over aggressive. So I think, I think there's definitely more bus potential with Witherspoon. Um, but yeah, it, it's just hard to see how JSN doesn't find a way to at least be like an effective slot receiver or something like he just seems like he should be productive. I, I don't know if, you know, if he can, you know, hit all the highs be all pro or like he should be a pro bowler, but it, the floor seems very high on him for sure. Well, People, you know, you get a guy like DK Metcalf who comes in the league and you're like, oh, my God, this guy has physical tools that nobody else has ever had. I mean, he's just he's a Greek god. I mean, there's things about him that just stand out. But you look at some of the way he was running routes, some of his, you know, refinement as a player. And there was the chance that that was not going to work out. So I think when you've got a guy like JSN it feels very projectable. I think the receivers that are almost always successful in the league are guys that can get open. That sounds so obvious, but that is not as much how fast you can run, how strong you are, how high you can jump. All of those things matter and have absolute value, but how you get in and out of breaks, how you set up routes, how you feel coverage, how you read coverage, how you can shake somebody one-on-one and get off of press. Like, those are things that I think JSN just does at very elite levels. Doug did those things at very elite levels. And then all you really need at that point is a play caller who recognizes and features you and a quarterback that is, you know, um, in sync with you. And so I think he's going to have those things. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm set up for fall there, I guess. I guess I would say because I'm pretty much counting on JSN being great. Let's talk I about Devin Witherspoon. I feel like this changed though for you at some point. Like I don't remember. Like there was a lot of JSN talk, and not that you were down on him in the draft process, but I don't remember you being this high on him as a prospect. Or maybe I was just wrong or missed that. You know, Jeff and I talked about him a ton, and we did so many mock drafts, as 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 you know. Um, 
what became started to become the expectation was that he was going to be a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. He was going to be going like seven. There was a number of places that had him going seven, eight, you know, nine. And so it just started to feel like, well, that's way too rich. Like the Seahawks aren't going to spend a top 10 pick on him. I, I always felt like he was very projectable. I have to admit, I also like Zay Flowers quite a bit. And I, I thought that he also had some returnability that was unique and, and fun. But no, I mean, I had kind of moved on to the, it was like Charlie Jones, like like these like second yeah. and third tier nickel, like a, a slot uh, receivers, um, just because I didn't think he was going to be really an option for the Seahawks. Gotcha. Um, but you were there on draft night for on this oh, 20th yeah. pick. As soon as that's on video, as soon as they picked him, I was like, oh my God, this is an amazing pick. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't think I was ever down on him, but but. Gotcha. I just didn't think they'd get him. Gotcha. Let's talk about Witherspoon for a second. So uh, this is one of the more fascinating things for me in camp. Uh, and I, I want to ask you, because you and I had a, a I think a funny exchange about this. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to out anybody else, you know, cause it's probably bad <laughs> yes, form. You do. But I, yes, I do, you. but I'm not going to, <laughs> there, there are certain people on Twitter that are acting like, uh, you know, Devin Witherspoon being played at nickel corner is some sort of punishment for him holding out. And I think that that is just absolutely silly. And how could you think that? And I gave a million reasons, including the fact that he played, he was playing nickel before he held out during OTAs and blah, blah, blah. And you were like, what did you say when I, <laughs> I was like, I assumed that he was being punished. <laughs> not punished. Like, I didn't think, uh, you know, because y- you've made the point a couple times, like Pete's not vindictive, and and I definitely didn't think about it like that, like uh, that he was, you know, again, I wouldn't really even use the word punish. It just seemed to me like, oh, they're doing the thing where a rookie missed a few days of camp, so mm-hmm. he's going to come back in and start at nickel, and they're going to make him like kind of earn it back, or you know, oh well, he's a couple days behind, and Mike Jackson's been here, so you know, and then so you know, but within the course of a week that he'd be having all the first team reps or whatever um that makes a lot more sense like that that i totally understand it is not like a silly thing um the punishment penance part is the part that kind of always seemed ridiculous to me but both were wrong ultimately it it sounds like turns out that way and i want to know what you think about that how are you feeling about witherspoon in the slot if he if he only is your starting slot for let's say the whole season let's say let's say that that's how it plays out how would you feel about that I would feel bad if he only plays slot. Like, you know, nickel, they played nickel like 60% last last year, I think, and they'll probably do at least that much again this year. So, like, even, even just saying that he's only a nickel, he'll get a lot of playing time and he can be very impactful there. Um, <clears throat> and I get the argument, too, that, like, that's the more demanding position. Um, and, and maybe it's a position that puts him in a uh, a better spot to make plays and do other things. So like, I have absolutely no problem with him uh, moving in to play nickel if they're in nickel formation. So playing nickel, nickel most of the time, but if they're in like their base, right. They're bare or they're four, three or whatever they consider their, their, you know, their two corner uh, lineups. Um, and he's not out there for that. He's been effectively beaten out by Reek and whoever else. 
that would be disappointing. That that would be a bummer to see, especially if it's if it holds true the whole year. Like if it's one of those where it's like, hey, we just wanted to get really good at nickel for a while. All right, okay, okay, fine. But like by the end of the year, he should be able to do both. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Is it your interpretation so far that the reason he's playing nickel is because he is not proven to be better than those outside players? Or do you think it's because alternatively, well, let me just ask you that. Do you, do you think that's the reason? Is that your interpretation is that he hasn't been good enough to win outside? No, I think it's probably a combination of things. Um, one, apparently everybody hates Kobe Bryant now. Uh, he's He can't play nickel. Um, <clears throat> so like in terms of where is there a need, like nickel makes the most sense. And if you look at him and Mike Jackson and Trey Brown, you know, you could make the argument that he has the best skill set of it. He, he is probably, you know, the most athletic of the bunch. And that's the position that demands that more. Um, so no, I think it's more about like, Hey, where do they need him? And, and where do they feel comfortable playing all the other corners? Right. You're not ruining Reek inside. You're not, you're, you probably don't want Mike Jackson in there. Trey Brown, I think, play, has played nickel some. I don't remember exactly how much, but still, like, it's probably one of those where they're just like, hey, if we have three corners on the field, doing it this way with him in the nickel and, you know, Mike Jackson, Trey Brown, whoever outside is playing everyone to your, their strength or, you know, maximizing as much as possible. That's my read as well. And part of the evidence I have for that is they would be playing him more outside if they were wanting him to compete for that. Um, and the fact is they've been playing him pretty extensively inside. Um, and even the fact that uh, Woolen has been out this whole time would be even more reason that he'd be getting reps outside if they wanted him to potentially play there. So I don't think they're really giving him an opportunity outside right now. And we can debate whether that's smart or not. I mean, that, that I think is a fair thing to debate, but all signs to me are not like there are people out there tweeting pretty much every day. Like this guy, oh man, things are looking down for Witherspoon. He's not, he's only their nickel. He's not showing up on the depth chart as a starter. Like I saw Eric Williams from down in LA tweeting about that. And Bob Condota had to kind of re re remind him that nickel is a starting position. And anyway, I think this is one of the weirder stories going on here. I, I, I think we all agree we want Witherspoon to get as much time and have as much impact as possible. But if I'm just looking at it from pure football, I put my hand over where he was picked and I'm just looking at the players that they've got on the roster and who fits where best and how it can have the biggest impact. It makes perfect sense. He is a, he is a tailor-made you know, inside uh, cornerback from his skill set perspective. And I don't think it precludes him from moving outside and doing that. And I think if this is his only place he ever plays, then I'll have some real issues with the court, the, the coaches and their decisions, mm -hmm. like not giving him a chance outside. But um, I don't think it's a skill set thing right now. Um, no. But, but if it's week 15 and it's in the fourth quarter, and they're playing, you know, bare front or something. They've got two cornerbacks on the field. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever the front is, their base defense. It's always bare front with you. We know. 
Well, I mean, whatever. Is it 4-3? Is it 3-4? Is it Bear? I mean, whatever. Okay. They're, they have two cornerbacks on the field, and one of them is not Witherspoon. You're, that's probably not great, right? <laughs> like, you want him out there playing outside if there is no nickel. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I'm looking height and weight. I mean, he's six foot one eighty five, so he's actually a little tall for for a, an inside um, corner. And Trey Brown is five ten one eighty five. Trey Brown's the other guy that I think makes sense there. I don't think. I mean, look, I've been one of the people on the Kobe Bryant. Like, hey, I don't. I think Kobe Bryant made plays last year, and I loved the way he competed. And uh, you know, if he was the nickel, fine. I don't think he was great last year at nickel, especially from a coverage perspective. And I think there's a lot of numbers that bear that out. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a position was, did he or Michael Jackson play better in the roles they were asked to play? I think by any analytic number you look at, Mike Jackson played a lot better outside than Kobe Bryant played inside. Yes. Yeah. So your biggest chance to improve that part of your defense is to upgrade the nickel position. Kobe Bryant, his second year, he's going to get some safety time. He can slide down to nickel and dime. I don't know if you and I talk about this, but they're playing this 6DB um, defense apparently a lot. I'm, I'm looking forward to, I don't know if they'll use it tomorrow, but um, where they got two essentially in slot corners um, and they've got a bunch of cornerbacks on the field and only one linebacker. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm for it. That's the thing that's like really probably what's getting missed in all of this discussion about Witherspoon is it's maybe not really discussion about Witherspoon at all. Right. I, you know, Hey, you play nickel 60% of the time you play dime, maybe 10% of the time, 15% of the time. Right. So already you're at 75% of the time where you have three or more cornerbacks out there. But like, I hear just tons. It feels like they're always talking about dime formation and who's playing, who are the two outside corners and who are the two inside corners. And so I'm really interested to see, you know, you took this guy at five. You want him on the field as much as possible. Obviously, you think he's good. If you're saying if he's like he's just playing inside, then you have to wonder. Well, how often will they ever not play with a nickel, right? Without a, a slot corner. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be fascinating. Um, we will have some patron questions. We're gonna get to those in just a minute here. And if you haven't already, um, sign up at Patreon.com/slash/HawkBlogger. Giving away two tickets to the game tomorrow night. You got to be a patron to get them. Uh, and you get immediate access to the Slack channel where people are talking to the CX all the time. And as if you don't know, money goes to a good cause. Over $260,000 we've donated to charity. And we'll start collecting again for this year. So be part of the Hawk Blogger community, Real Hawk Talk community. Patreon.com slash Hawk Blogger. Also, give the show a like, thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, appreciate it. So we will take some patron questions in just a minute. Um, what other storylines for you? Like tuning into the game tomorrow night, where are your eyes going to be? Where, where, where are the things that you're trying to pick up? We talked about JSN. We talked about Withers- Witherspoon's unfortunately hurt. Um, where are your eyes going to be? Um, I'm going to be watching... Uh, the best best running back named Ken on this team is he going to play tomorrow or is he still hurt? He's hurt. Both Kenny of them are hurt. Oh, they both are. Okay, but yes. Macintosh. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, yes. I'm very excited for the Macintosh uh, storyline. Um, Share a little uh, bit more about that because I don't know that everyone gets your joke. 
I'm just, it would, wouldn't it be funny if the six round running back outperformed the two second round running backs that they've taken the last two years? I think that'd be very funny, but, uh, and it wouldn't confirm any priors of mine at all. Uh, <laughs> Nathan's okay. very predictable if you know about <laughs> his priors, that almost all his takes line up with his priors. The pass rushers, um, and not, I mean, I'm interested, obviously, in, uh, you know, again, there's a couple of second round picks there. Um, so, and pass rush is important, but you guys were talking about the pass rushing coach that they have Yes, the other day. And I don't, I have not been following this at all. So I don't know if you can, if we've talked about it on the pod before, if you want to educate me on who this dude is and, and why, why they have a pass rush coach and like why people are excited about that. Yeah. So his name is, uh, Brandon Jordan, BT Jordan. Um, and you know, he, I think he spent last year at Michigan state as a pass rush specialist on their staff, but he, from what I understand has worked with hundreds of like literally hundreds of NFL pass rushers. And, um, I won't claim to know all the details of all that piece, but he is extremely highly regarded and is kind of a pass rush whisperer. And so he quietly got brought to the Seahawks during the off season as a, a, you know, a coach for them. And this was back in March. So, you know, it happened kind of in the quiet season and there's a lot of folks that are thinking he's going to have a big impact on this team. Um, I can't remember the name. This is probably a, a, an odd connection, but, there was a pitching coach that the Mariners had uh, in their system, their minor league system that just got hired by a college. Um, I think it was in Texas or something like that. And this guy has been credited with dramatically changing the way the Mariners developed young pitchers. And for people that follow the Mariners at all, you know, they've brought up five, you know, young pitchers in the last two years. All of them have been very successful at the major league level um and this guy is just basically a um considered a you know savant in that regard and so i think i don't know if bt jordan is quite to that level but he has a ton of respect around the league um and you had that plus michael bennett hanging around cliff averill hanging around given you know being at practice and, and giving tips um and there's a lot of hype around boye mafe especially uh, Daryl Taylor, unfortunately, is out with a, a shoulder injury. Um, supposed to be back relatively soon, but he won't play tomorrow night. So Boye Mafe and Derek Hall, it's going to be very interesting to see how those two play uh, tomorrow night. They should get plenty of reps. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be hard to say how much effect you know uh, Jordan has on either of those guys. But if he can get Daryl Taylor to finally blossom into what we've seen flashes of and been hoping that he'll blossom into that would be a huge boon for this team yeah yeah um what do you say we take a couple patreon questions sure cool let's do it um we are going to start uh again if you haven't already give the show a like subscribe and go to patreon.com slash hawk blogger and sign up and get access to the black channel where you can ask us questions and we will answer them every week so braxton asks with Boye Mafe catching eyes in training camp and expecting to have a big sophomore season, what does the successful season for Mafe look like? 
I mean, I don't think I need him to be anything more than just a pass rush specialist. So, like, he just needs to be effective when he's out there. Um, and that may only be a six-sack season or something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't think he needs to, like, suddenly be putting up double-digit sacks. Um Especially because, you know, you're, you're hoping that, you know, you have uh, Chenna, you have Taylor, you know, Hall is going to be involved in there. Um, so they have some people to rotate through here and Mafe, you know, can realistically, like, I think ideally Mafe is not a starter. Um, and so I think he just needs to be able to be efficient and productive when he does get pass rush snaps. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... I have not been a huge believer in Mafe since he was drafted. And then last year, what I saw from him was he was better against the run than I expected him to be. And yeah. part of that was, I think, in contrast to how bad Daryl Taylor was against the run. Like Mafe would set the edge, play with physicality, would make some physical plays. And I, I liked that about him. So that impressed me. And, and I, I respect that. He had one, one pass rush snap that flashed for me. It was later in the season. I want to say like game 12 or 13, maybe even the Raiders game or something like that. I don't remember. He's coming off the right edge and he just destroyed the, the tackle there. Like it was a speed rush, got right around him and very quick snap to sack. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. All right, so he does have that. Um, so I don't. I'm not like bearish on him. I just don't have high expectations. So a successful season to me from Mafe. I mean, if he if he earns backup rotational snaps uh, and ends up with five sacks, you know, or, or so, that would I think be really successful. And I mean, if if you want to get into more analytically stuff, I mean, if his if his pressure rate is in the 10% range or so, like that would be super cool. Um, people are talking about him. Like he could do a lot more than that. So um, my bar, our bar might be too low, but that that's kind of what I'm looking for for him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, and especially about the run defense stuff, I, he got a lot of credit last year for the, for his run defense. And I think people, I think people were mistaking effort for uh, efficiency or ability. Uh, <laughs> tried hard. And like you said, you know, maybe in comparison to some other guys, but he, he's a pass rusher. He needs to be a good pass rusher. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. So uh, next question here is from Eric. Eric asks uh, if there is an expect, is there an expectation that the Seahawks will make some kind of trade or free agent signing prior to the season starting, or do you think they will look, they'll be content looking to pick up free agents as they become available. And I don't know if you saw this, Nathan, but Shelby Harris has been signed by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that was a player that, pretty much every Seahawks fan kept bringing up that maybe the Seahawks are going to sign, not going to happen. Uh, so what's your thought there? They're going to make a trade. They're going to sign somebody. What's your, what's your instinct? I hope not. I hope that they're just happy to continue growing this. Um, and, I, and when has it worked? <laughs> every time they try to do anything splashy, it, it like it rarely works. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe they'll surprise and they'll have some kind of a digs type move lined up at some point. Um, but I don't think they should be looking for anything big. I don't think they will be looking for anything big. It'll just be about like, Hey, what's the cut down and are there opportunities to kind of improve the bottom of the roster? 
How would you feel, this is not a patron question, but this is a question we talked about a few weeks ago when they started clearing cap space um, uh, with Diggs restructure and and uh, the Echenna extension. If they made a move for somebody like Vita Vea or they made a move for someone like DeForest Buckner, uh, set aside compensation, I mean, I, I understand that, that like, how, you feel. how would you feel about, actually don't set aside compensation, knowing that you'd probably have to give up something meaningful. How would you feel about a move like that? Not good. I, I don't feel like, do you think this team is a Vita Vea away from a Super Bowl? I think they're a Vita they Vea might be. a playoff win. Like, I, Say more. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I don't know that I think that this team this year is substantially better than it was last year. Like, mm-hmm. I think that maybe what they are is not getting embarrassed in their playoff loss better. Um, but I don't think this team is likely to win a playoff game. Um, and so, you know, if you can add a player and you can go from a team that's not likely to win a playoff game to a team that is likely to win a playoff game, then you're not very many lucky draws away from winning a Super Bowl. Um, but I just don't. I don't see why this team would need to give up something of value for like any kind of a push this year. Yeah. Now, maybe someone like Buckner is a little bit more of a longer term thing. And, and you I know, mean, maybe, yeah, it would be too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're one and done, but yeah. Yeah. I just generally don't like trading for vets as a roster building maneuver. And the Seahawks have not shown that that's a good way to build roster. Um, when you're trading for expensive vets, trading a fifth round pick for Quandre Diggs has been a great maneuver, right? Like that's a very logical move that they've made. And that's not what these would be. You wouldn't be trading a fifth round pick to get one of these guys. And I I do see it a little differently. I mean, we'll, we'll see how the, the preseason goes, get a little more tape on these guys. I think that they're, the NFC is very weak. And I think that it, depending on how things fall, I think the Seahawks absolutely could have one of the best offenses in football. Um, and I think that the defense could be very talented if, if they fill the gap in the middle of that line. Yeah. And you not only fill it, but you put an all pro level or a pro bowl level, level guy in there. I think that could be a massive difference for this team. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not trying to talk it into happening. Um, I just think it's it's such an obvious glaring hole that I do wonder um, what they'll do there. Uh, good question there, Eric. Let's keep moving on. Uh, Brunden asks, I don't think I've ever met a Brunden. Um, with a cornerback room of Reek, Spoon, Jackson, Trey, Artie, and Kobe, counting him as nickel because there's no other backup, Seems like an overfull room. Do you think one of Jackson or Brown may be dealt prior to week one? Is Artie Burns a real person? Is he an alive human being? Or like, is he, he's some kind of an insurance scam, right? He's, has anyone seen this person? He had three pass breakups in the mock game and uh, was considered by some to be one of the standout players. I think Artie Burns is a good corner, and I think you're right. I still think that means he's more insurance than likely someone who's going to stick on the roster. 
So I think Brendan's question still stands. Like, do we think that one of these guys might get moved? No, I don't think so. I, I think, I mean, we just had an entire year where Artie Burns was a, a complete no-show. Uh, Kobe is possibly not a cornerback anymore. So you're talking about four guys. Trey Brown was bad last year. Uh, now, came out of a bad injury. Um so obviously, like room for him to be a better player this year, um, but I just you know, it's it's good to have four good cornerbacks. Um, maybe if these guys, if you get a few weeks into the season and and these guys are all good, and then maybe you can flip Artie Burns for something if he's you know an actual football player. Um, but I just that's not enough depth for me to go and say, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to get rid of one of these guys. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. And I wouldn't be surprised if Artie Burns develops a turf toe the week before the season and gets put on IR and is stashed there um, by the team, but we'll see. Um, all right, let's keep going. Uh, Nick, Nick asks, what kind of impact do you guys think Jamal Adams will make this year? And when does he make his first start? I, I don't know. I still don't know. I think me and you have been especially down on his chances to do anything. I mean, um, it seemed like his career was in some degree of jeopardy with that injury. Uh, everything I've heard has been positive. It seems like he is. Like at this point, I would bet money that he is more likely to play than not likely to play. Mm -hmm. But I still am just not actually expecting him to contribute to the team and not in any kind of a Jamal slander priors type way. Just it's just gonna take a little time. Not yeah. a little time. It's take a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's how I feel as well. And the more I've thought about it recently. <sighs> Here's here's maybe the weirdest take, and, I, and I've been a Jamal Adams defender and fan, so so people should look at priors there. But I'm not sure I see a place where he plays meaningful snaps and improves the defense. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's like that's I, I mean those words. So that that's like if he's going to take snaps away from Julian Love. I don't think that's going to improve the defense if he's playing a back safety, taking snaps away from love. Yep. I am not sure that one of the other defensive backs that he would be taking spots from that he's going to improve the defense by taking their snaps. And then even there, it might be him playing safety and love moving into one of those spots. And so you're, again, it's like a cascading effect. I'm not sure that's going to be a better thing. And then the only thing I can kind of get to is maybe he takes Devin Bush's snaps at like a linebacker kind of thing. And I'm not even sure. I'm not even convinced personally that he's really is a linebacker. I know there's been a lot of jokes about that, but anyway, so I don't know on this, even if he is back and can play and is as healthy and durable, it's not so clear to me right now exactly where he is like very additive um to the defense in fact I, if i was to bet the defense may end up hurting somewhat with him taking taking over someone else's role this love thing like that is that could become i mean it, it could be a problem 
because he is going to play at a level high enough that it will be hard for Adams to come in, like you're saying, and be an immediate plus. Um, and if you have Love out there playing for five, six, seven, eight, however many weeks until Adams is back, and this team is four and two or five and three, and things are going relatively well, like to then just give Adams snaps back over Love might not go over great, right? With Love, with other people on the defense, I mean. But then, you know, Adams is passionate. <laughs> uh, and, and if he feels he can go, it, it might be a problem. So, I mean, I'm not predicting any kind of like, you know, massive fallout or drama here, but like they they made a really good signing in love, uh, mm-hmm. both in terms of the contract and just the terms of like the insurance that he provides them and does it allows them to not rush Adams. Um, but it could put them in a weird spot if Adams really is ahead of schedule. I think that's, I hadn't even thought about that angle. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about this question about whether he improves the team, but you're right. It could absolutely turn ugly if they're, if they, the coaches decide he's not going to get the snaps that he wants to get and he is back and he's worked his ass off to get back. And anyway, yeah. uh, we do have some history there already where he went into Pete Carroll's office, you know, uh, in tears because of how he was getting utilized by Ken Norton. And, and, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see. Uh, let, let's hope I'm a huge fan. I love it when he's out there. I think he's an impact player and maybe the coaches will know exactly how to use him. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll find out uh, a couple more here um, and fired up as he, he can be. I, I've never heard anything about him being like a problem. Child. So I don't no. necessarily expect him to handle it poorly, but yeah, it's just kind of awkward and weird. Yeah. I don't think he's had a situation where he's been healthy and not getting snaps though. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that might be a very different situation if that's where it it plays out. Um, Okay. Max asks uh, if the asking price for Chris Jones is next year's first and second round pick, as well as a young corner, not named Reek or Devin, do you pull the trigger? No. This is the worst version of the Vita Vea uh, Buckner stuff that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very easy no for me. Uh, I think next year's draft is going to be extremely talented as well, and I think those picks are very valuable. And I I'm not looking to. I, I think I think this team is in year two of a rebuild. It happens to be going really well, which is exciting. But don't screw it up by shooting yourself in the foot and doing what they did for four or five years, not having a first round pick, having to rely on trades to invest, you know, free agent. It doesn't work, man. Build through the draft, do what you've been doing. They've actually started to make good decisions in the draft and and not crazy decisions. Keep doing that. Um, and I'm not looking for quick fixes that may not, you know, really last and, and, uh, have not had a lot of success that way. Um, I do want to respond. Josh Potter here in chat says, you guys are paying Jamal 18 million. If he's healthy, he's going to play. I think that's a fine expectation. And I think that's a reasonable one. I don't think what he's getting paid is going to determine whether he's playing. I really don't. I I think that the team is going to put, I mean, Devin Witherspoon is a perfect example. It's not about money, but it's about, he's a fifth overall pick and there's people clearly outside saying they're freaking out because he's not playing outside corner. It means it's a failure. I don't think that's at all how the, the Seahawks they're looking at playing the best players, the best position to have the best impact. I, I think it's going to be hard to make the case 
we thought Ryan Neal was playing well. And people were like, I don't know if Jamal can outplay him in some ways. I never had that question personally. I think Julian Love, people don't understand. This guy was the captain of the Giants, a good Giants defense last year, defense last year. And he plays three positions outside corner, inside corner, and safety. And he plays them all well. He was the guy with the blue dot on his helmet that was doing making the calls. Like, this is a very, very good player. It's not clear to me that Jamal Adams coming off an injury or even not coming off an injury was clearly going to be an upgrade over Julian Love. And if he's not coming over at Julian Love, then it's not really obvious who he's going to take snaps from. So I, I just think this is an issue and it has nothing to do with his, his, uh, his contract. Um, okay, last question from patrons here is from Troy. Um, related to Jamal, over, under for how many Jamal Ad games Jamal Adams plays in and are you taking the over or under? What's your number? I th think I think like I don't know if I want to go three and a half or four and a half um, like three and a half would be hard for me to choose I, I, I do think he's going to play this year I do think they're going to find ways to get him on the field I don't think he's going to be you know to your earlier point I don't necessarily think he's going to be a starter I think they're going to have to just find ways to get him going again um but yeah like will he play you know much more than six games i'd be really surprised if he played more than six games um i don't know what do you think what 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 number is makes it hard for you to no, that was actually is my over under is six um and i would take because i'm an optimist i'll probably take the over on that um, but I mean, if he played 10 games, I would be shocked. I would be really shocked. Um, that would not be him getting activated from the pup at the absolute or, or just not being pupped at all. Right. And, and then even from there, once he's back that he stays on the field. Yes. This is a guy has gotten injured pretty much every year. He's been here multiple different types of injuries and coming back from an injury. It's easy to get more injuries you start compensating or you have muscle stuff yeah exactly so and especially if they're going to play him closer to the line of scrimmage and he's going to be in the mix more it's just um i don't know i mean people forget it's not even the quad tear that he's coming back from but he had had surgery on his hands and his fingers were all mauled and like he had shoulders were popping out of joints from hitting people and so Anyway, he's got a lot going on. I I, I, I love the dude, and I, I love the way he approaches the game, but um, injuries, once they start, it's hard to stop them. Um, okay, so thank you for the patron questions. Those are great questions. Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger. Um, you can sign up, get access to the Slack channel, ask us questions, and we're giving away tickets to the game tomorrow night, so it's not too late. Uh, sign up, and maybe you will get to go see these Seahawks play tomorrow. Um Nathan, let's talk about where this team was a year ago. Um, when they played their first preseason game a year ago, it was the Seahawks against the Steelers. Um, it was August 13th, so a couple days later. Drew Locke took, made 15 passes. Uh, Geno Smith made 15, had 15 pass attempts. 
Um, Drew Locke had two touchdowns, no interceptions. There was the like Drew Locke truthers were loving it. Um, who do you think was the leading receiver in that game? Bo Melton. How did you know that? I don't know. Are you looking it up? I, that's nope. amazing. No, no, no. I am thoroughly impressed. Yes, it was Bo Melton. He had two catches for 47 yards. Where is Bo Melton today? I don't know. Let's take a look. I can probably find that out. I don't think he I did. he's with the Packers, but I might be wrong. Yeah. He didn't even make the practice squad with the Seahawks, right? It looks like it looks like he is with the Packers still. Yeah. Um sorry, I'm watching someone sitting in my driveway who clearly is in the wrong place, looking <laughs> around, walking around, uh <laughs> I think realizing that they're in the wrong place. I'm not exactly sure. Um also in that game, uh second leading receiver was Travis Homer. Uh, sure. No longer here. Derek Young, third leading receiver, and he is out with an injury right now. Fourth leading receiver is Cade Johnson, who I think will play in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah Fant, who will probably not play in this game. He's, he's off of Pup, but is not beginning a lot of snaps. Aaron Fuller, Cade Brewer. I mean, Brewer. I know. So, I like, guy at all. <laughs> I do think there's a there's a fair amount of difference. And then if you talk about the leading tacklers last year in this first game, Levi Jones, Joel Dublanco, Josh Jones. Yeah. Remember Josh Jones? You remember Josh Jones. Maybe the worst tackler we've ever seen. <laughs> um Cody Barton. So like Puna Ford's in this game, right? Like there's a lot of difference. There's a lot of turnover, especially yeah. on the defensive side. Um, let's kind of like – we talked about the outside rushers. I'm curious, do you think you're going to learn much about like how they line up, like scheme-wise, how they're playing um, any differently? Are we going to – Jaron Reed is supposed to be playing next to Draymond Jones, um, and I think Mario Edwards is going to be on the other side. Mario Edwards is a guy no one's really talked about. I think we're going to have to learn something. They're going to have to show something because they just don't have a way to misdirect. They don't have Al Woods to put out there and be like, oh, no, we're just doing the normal thing. And then to pull out something weird in the first week, like they're going to kind of have to show how, how do you think Jordan Reed as a nose tackle is going to work here exactly? Yeah, I, I'm really curious about the interior line on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think offensive line, defensive line are two things that I'm gonna be, I will always be looking at. And I'll be looking at whether on offense, they're getting pushed back into Geno's lap, Drew's back uh, lap, um, whether running backs are having to make yards uh, after contact or whether they're able to make yards before contact. Um, be looking for any kind of quick pressure, that kind of thing. Um, there's been some reports that the Seahawks offensive line has been struggling a little bit in camp. Is that because they're not playing well, or is that because the Seahawks defensive line and defensive players are better? There's a quote. I don't know if you saw this from Mark Schlereth about Derek Hall. Did you see this quote? Mm-mm, no. He was watching Derek Hall in camp. He was visiting Seahawks camp. 
his quote was, I was watching him and I was like, holy Moses, what he was doing to some of the O-linemen, there are people spending five to 10 in the state pen that did less to get there. Uh, we were dissecting some of his, uh, some of the, the tape that we saw on him from camp and around the edge, it's still a question mark. But when he was just trying to go through dudes, he looks like he looks tough. He looks mean. He looks strong, um, powerful, like little moves that are that that shouldn't move big dudes, but do. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I still have a lot of questions for what he can actually turn out to be. But like, it it's kind of like Taylor, though, right? Like we've seen Taylor just absolutely ragdoll guys, but the consistency has been an issue. So, yeah, I think I think that that's. I mean, he. I think we're going to learn a lot about Boye Mafe, Derek Hall, um, those guys. I think in, in particular, I'm interested in. There's some other names that are a little bit further down. The, I, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see Julian Love. Um, I'm interested to see Jonathan Sutherland. I don't know if you've if you've paid any attention to him. He undrafted free agent out of Penn State, um, and he has been getting snaps at safety while Kobe Bryant's now been moved into back into nickel. Uh, there's some buzz around him. I'm going to be curious. He's number 28 for folks that are looking at home. Um, with Joey Blunt, who was a kind of a undrafted free agent that blew up last year for the Seahawks and made the roster. He's hurt. Um, he he'll probably will, he will not play tomorrow night. So I think that'll be another chance for, for Sutherland to show. Um, mentioned, mentioned Cameron Young, who I am excited to see and does give them, I guess, some Al Woods type body to put out there at the nose tackle. I did forget about him. I would be very interested to see Cam Young. I'm not sure he's going to play. I think he did not practice today. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure if there's some kind of injury situation going on there. Um, but that one for sure. Vi Jones was someone I was looking forward to playing. He also is out with injury, so he's not going to play. We might be seeing some Ben Burkirvan. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. What, do you think there's a chance he makes this team? Would that be absolutely nuts? He can play special teams, right? I don't think that's crazy. I mean, after like this nerve damage that he's coming back from that no one has ever come back from. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, he, the, his problem is just he's such so low ceiling that even if he is a pretty good special team player, there's just <laughs> doesn't seem to be a lot of hope for him. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking at a couple other um, guys here. I, I do think it's no one's going to be excited about this, but it is something I'll be watching. The only long snapper on the roster is an undrafted free agent. Uh, you laugh, but you, dude, you know that if you have a bad long snapper, all of a sudden, like you, you'd be two, three games into the season, you're like, wait, why are all Dixon's punts shorter than they've been? And wait, why is Myers missing even more than he normally does? And, and then do like, you oh. remember the year where they had Kelly Jennings? practicing long snapping on the sideline because they had so many long snapper injuries. That sounds familiar, I, but it's vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it can definitely go wrong in a lot of I, ways if you if you don't take care of the position. I wonder if that was the same year. I just remember there was a year where this kind of snuck up on them, and when they made the change, finally they're like, yeah, it was a really problem. The time, like the snaps were not hard enough, crisp enough, and it was messing with the timing, and they – went into the season with that problem. So anyway, I am of, of everything that's going to happen tomorrow night. I think 
the top things for me, pass rush, pass protection, and, and, and secondary play. Like those are the things I'm most looking for. I'd like to say it's the interior line, but I just don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to really learn as much as I want without some of the players in there. But, um, and, and you know, it's Zach Charbonnet is going to play, I think. So we'll get a look at him. Um, your favorite second round pick. Uh, season comes down to the front seven though, right? I think so. Like the offense, I have no questions about. It's, that's that's just a question of like just how good are you? Um, in the secondary, they're young. They're not going to be perfect, uh, but they're talented and they're you know a little seasoned at this point. Like they have you know Mike Jackson's been here for a little while and you know Tariq's in the second year and everything. So not completely new there. It, it's really just about like what do they do in the front seven that makes them markedly better than last year? Because I don't think they're a lot more talented than they were last year. Like you've added Jaron Reed and Derek Hall and Cameron Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones is the big change there. Yes, yes. But he's a, yeah, he's pretty significant. Um. So yeah, he's the big thing. And then other than that, it's kind of like, well, how good is Bobby anymore? Really? Like, there's a lot of detractors there. Uh. You know what? What can Jordan Brooks be when he comes back? Like. So like that's that feels like the make or break between whether this is again like a first round exit team or whether they really can hit you know a higher peak. Am I am I on am, am I setting the bar way too low for Devin Bush? Could Devin Bush actually be a competent line? Can he be better than Cody Barton? I don't. Mm, can he be better than Cody Barton? Sure. <laughs> uh, that's the bar. Yeah, I think that's a fair bar for Devin Bush. <laughs> like I. That's the over-under for Devin Bush. I have very low expectations for Devin Bush. I think that he might be the candidate for the player. He and Derek Hall are the guys that are in the running for my lowest expectations that could outperform them. Um, You could throw in Jordan Brooks and Jamal from an injury perspective if you wanted to, but just straight like what I think of these guys as players versus what I think we're going to get. Devin Bush, Derek Hall, I'm just not as high on. And I put Bush ahead of Hall in that category. So if Bush shows a little something, if he's able to stop the run, like show some physicality, like show something there, that would be nice. Um, I don't know if you heard this, Nathan, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up here in a second, but uh, Anthony Bradford, guard, fourth round pick, who's mm-hmm. gotten almost no no discussion at all through training yeah. camp in fact i thought a lot i think a lot of us thought he'd be challenging phil haynes for a starting guard spot not only has he not been challenging phil haynes for that spot but when damian lewis has been out with injury haynes has been moving to left guard and jake Curhan has been playing right guard so like bradford's not even been getting backup snaps anyway Pete carroll talked about him today he's 342 pounds big boy He's always been big, but that's bigger than he's. That's big, big. That's big, big. And Pete's comments about him are, I'm really excited about this guy. He's looking great. Uh, He just needs to, you know, remember the plays. Like, I think there's some indications that he is not, he is not a coach's best friend so far. And so maybe it's not as much the physical stuff with him. It is 
we might see some situations where he pulls to the left and then the whole rest of the line pulls to the right, <laughs> you know, uh, or misses a snap counter too. So I'll be, I'm, I'm really hoping we see some promise physically from him when he does get the play, right. Can we see him move some people? That would be nice to see. That feels like a pretty backhanded compliment. I'm really excited about this guy. He just needs to be able to do the absolute basic thing and then maybe he can play. Well, you know, I mean, some of the guys that's been a, that's, been a sure. bad sign in the past that was the 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 safety uh the second round safety that um blair blair marquise blair that was you know i think this is different hopefully it's different but um and it's certainly way too soon to to make any comparisons but you don't want a guy that can't keep up with the playbook um especially you know it shouldn't be that complicated for the right guard i was gonna say guard's got to be one of the like it's not just you know, hit the guy in front of you. There's, there's nuance, but like, that feels like the easiest. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would think so. I would think so. And I'm really interested just to see how Evan Brown plays. Um, uh, Olu, Olu, Timmy, I also am curious about, but Evan Brown's weighed in at 320 pounds. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a guy with a little bit of girth um, playing that that position and see if he can hold the hold the line. Um, Spider Man meme. Yeah. Uh, every every center they've had for like well, since Unger, just, they're all the same guy. We do this every year. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Austin Blythe was definitely not a 320 pounder. Um, sure. And. So I, I think they've had athletic and guys that are that when they face a strong defensive tackle get pushed over. But we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not counting on him being the best, but if he can just I mean, if he can just hold the point of attack um, more often than not, it'd be nice. The only other guy that we haven't mentioned who I'm actually I'm really looking forward to seeing is uh, Mike Morris. Um, Six foot six, defensive end, three hundred pounds. There's been a lot of buzz around him. He's been working with Michael Bennett. A lot of interest. So um, I am, I am interested in seeing. He is number ninety four for people that are going to be looking at home. Um, keep an eye. Draymond Jones, by the way, is fifty five. So it's going to be very weird. He's he's a defensive tackle who will be playing uh, with Frank Clark's number, uh, but. Uh, we're gonna have some different numbers to learn tomorrow. So, anyway, um, we will be doing a live pod tomorrow. Uh, I think Jeff and I are gonna be doing it. Uh, if folks haven't done this before, we try to sync up our, you know, our feed with other people's feed, and you'll be able to watch along with us. We'll kind of do play by play and observe what we're seeing from the players, uh, and we'll all have to deal with the fact that the preseason coverage they cut away from the actual game and you don't see what's going on. So they can do interviews of players that are really worthless interviews. So, um, we will talk about the game. They got, they got the, uh, they've got rid of Menifee. They got the lady from the Sixers. And then who's going to be with her? Michael Bennett is on there as part of the coverage. I thought, is he doing commentary though? Or is he? Yeah. Yeah. He might be doing sideline. Um, it's a good question. But they had been using, I think Michael Robinson, I thought he was, was he doing it? Um, Seahawks preseason. Uh, I don't have anything against Menifee, but it will be nice to just hear a different voice for the preseason. Might make yeah. me forget it's preseason for a little bit. 
Yes. So KJ yeah. Wright's going to be on the pre and post game shows. Um, Michael Bennett is is doing um, is an analyst, and then Michael Robinson. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Robinson is part of it too, and Kate Scott is the name of the play by play announcer. So that should be cool. I'm looking forward to that. All right, dude. Uh, anything else uh, that you wanted to cover before we, we wrap for the night? I don't think so. It's good to be back, though. It's good to... I can't believe there's a game tomorrow. We're just a few weeks away from the season, ultimately. We're going to have cut down soon. It snuck up on me, man. I've been so yeah. busy with other things, and uh, all of a sudden, tomorrow, we're, we're watching Seahawks football, so it's going to be cool. Feels like the draft was, yeah, just a few weeks ago, but man, it flew by. I know. It really did. Well, it was great having you back. Good seeing you. And for folks, please uh, give the show a like, uh, subscribe, go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel, get a chance to win tickets to the game. And I don't know, have some fun, man. There's some fun people in the community. You can be part of uh, joining the community, building the community, making friends. This is a good time to get in. It's going to be a team that's building. And so this is the place where you can have really fun conversations that are not nearly as annoying as things that happen on Twitter. Um, get in as for as little as five bucks a month. And if you subscribe for a year, it's even cheaper than that. And the proceeds go to charity. So all good stuff. If you haven't already, please do. We will see you all hopefully tomorrow night. If you're going, have fun. Be safe. If you're staying at home, tune in. We'll give you some good commentary. And otherwise, we will talk to you all next week. Bye.